Get ready to tune into stories of average men striving for greatness to become the leaders that are needed in their homes, in their career, and their communities. This is the Brotherhood of Fatherhood Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. I'm super duper duper pumped, like always, to uh, have a chat with my guest, Jared Dumas. Jared is a father, of course. <laughs> but what's really cool about Jared is he's a relationship coach. He helps couples stay together. And basically, he wants to help men better communicate, better communicate their needs, Um I would guess better serve their wives and basically save marriages, which if you've listened to me at all, you know, is a really, really big passion of mine. Uh, So can't wait to have that conversation with Jared. But first, I want to make sure if you're listening to this podcast, you're plugged into the Brotherhood of Fatherhood Facebook group. Even if you're not a Facebooker, go there, fill out the form and put your email in. And I know, oh gosh, we're going to get a ton of emails. I haven't sent one email to my list yet, but we have some huge, and I mean huge things coming up in June, like seriously. And it's going to be capped out to only 30 or 40 men's men. So you want to be on my email list. This is something that like, I cannot believe is coming together. And I, I, I'm not going to spill the beans yet, but it is ridiculously epic. So if you want to, um, cap the middle of your year, 2022 with an epic experience, with men, uh, notable men, and learn and uh, raise the roof on your ability to serve and be uh, all that you can be, make sure you get on that list. Of course, I'd love for you to uh, engage on the Facebook group. The other thing that I want to talk about is this kick-ass sign behind me. Oops, right there. Um, I have several of them because I have several podcasts, but this one, the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast sign was created by my friends at Constructive, Constructive Solutions ENT. And you can find them on Instagram. Everybody everybody uses Instagram. So it's Constructive Solutions ENT, one word, look them up. Uh, I've had multiple signs for, for friends made by them. They turn out epic. If you're a podcaster or a coach or anything where you have visuals, you got a brand and this is a great way to do it. So shout out to my friends at Constructive Solutions uh, ENT Enterprises. And uh, welcome to the show, Derek, Jared. Thank you very much. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm fabulous. It's a it's a it's a get stuff done day, and those are really fun days for me. So, uh, how awesome. about you? Yeah, same. Trying to get caught up on everything, keep things moving. You know, so yeah. just and I'm really excited to be chatting with you. So, thanks for the opportunity. Well, you're welcome. But thank you. We really try and um, give our listeners a lot of tools, and I'm really really looking forward to talking to you about divorce your experience through that, which is probably never a fun story to tell. And then kind of get into why you're passionate about people not getting divorced if it's possible. But, um, you know, I would be remiss to, to just jump straight into that without asking you a little bit about your story. You have, you have a daughter, you have, you help raise some stepkids. But where did this whole journey begin where, where you wanted to help people save their marriage? Um, I think it started a lot. I mean, so I've always been a people person. Um, people is my superpower. I, and, you know, I've learned um, over the course of my life that I'm very empathic and I'm, I'm very intuitive and I'm tapped into people's emotions on a lot of different levels. Um, you know, I worked in public schools for a long time and, and spent a lot of time around kids and, and figured out that I could really understand them and what they needed. I could ask them a couple of questions and I could just feel where they're coming from. And I thought for a long time it had to do with working with hundreds and then thousands of them over the years, but I've really come to understand, like, it's just part of who I am, you know? And I, and I think that you could, you can look at the spiritual side of it, where, where that comes from. I think there's also, um, when you, when you grow up with, with certain experiences, you become really tuned into people's energy because it's part of how you keep yourself, uh, safe and part of how you stay out ahead of some of the things that aren't awesome. Um, so, you know, as I, been going through life and I've had a lot of opportunities to navigate what my future looks like um, and and where I want to go with my life. I feel all of these different experiences have kind of come together. And so I get people, um, I've, as you mentioned, been through divorce, which was one of the hardest things that's ever happened in my life. And also one of the uh, greatest things that's ever happened to me in its own way. 
Um, but I also recognize that for a lot of people, there is pain there and there's great things that they can do to uh, keep things going the way that they wanted to and, and avoid all of that. So for me, it's just been about recognizing that helping people is part of who I am. Um, and I have this wealth of knowledge and experience that um, whether I ask for it or not has kind of come into my my life and I want to share what I know. Um, you know, there's, there's a, there's a shamanic element to it of, of helping people being that wounded healer and like taking what I've learned and passing it forward because it's part of, we're all being invited to kind of grow and have a better experience. And I think we can see, especially in this time of time in the world where like so much is changing so fast. And one of the things that's happened is people's relationships. They've really brought, they've really called their relationships into question and they have questions like they're questioning why they've done things the way they have which is a beautiful thing and as as old systems are kind of breaking down people have a chance to kind of reinvent like their relationship with themselves their relationship with their spouses and like you know i just love the idea of being part of helping people find the words to speak their truth to their partners to, to know what their own needs are especially men because we've never really been invited a lot of us have never been invited to understand how we feel, why we feel that way, how to speak it. There's just so much that is really um, powerful for me and, and, and all of that. And the idea of creating gold out of my wounds, right? Like I went through this traumatic experience with my marriage ending and now I've got knowledge that I can share with people to help make meaning of it on a whole other level. Um, it's just, it's just part of what really lights me up, so. That's awesome. You, you mentioned education and I'm definitely, you know, have that background, um, 13 years in public education in middle school and in a middle school, I don't know what level you do, but in a middle school, there's, you really have to be, if you're going to be impactful, you have to be empathetic and you have to be able to read into really what's going on, not what just on the front. And, um, I kind of felt like that was a superpower of mine. And it's really interesting because as I, f I find uh, some other men like Dennis Meralda and some other men that have been in the education background and they're moving into this space where they want to make an impact with men. And, and part of the superpower bringing to that is the fact that we can see really what's going on when there's so many fronts. I mean, it, it's it, honestly, I would say a lot of men are operating in a way that a middle schooler or a kid in school operates. So it's beautiful that you say that, and I would agree 100%. So, you know, because there is an opportunity. For, so um, back up and go to your point about middle schoolers. So what I see with, with kids and, and what I see with, with teachers, and I say it's respect because I've been there as well. Like, so get those phone calls around like, hey, I've got this kid and he's sleeping in my classroom or, you know, he's acting out and I need you to deal with it. And so, yeah, there's a behavior there. And I've, I've kind of evolved to the point working with so many kids over the years and doing some of this men's work and doing some of the initiatic work and doing my own shadow work. Like all when I hear these stories of these kids are misbehaving, all I see is their shadow. Right. Mm. Uh, a kid who's acting out in class is craving connection, you know, um, and What's really interesting is then you go to the next level and not only do you see the shadow of the student, but you start to see the shadow of the teacher, right? You know, what oh, yeah. is it about a what is it about a 15-year-old you know calling you out that is rocking you to your core that you need to get me on the phone to come help you with that, right? And so one of the things I've tried to bring into to my work, you know, in, in education was this idea that, hey, we can fill our own cups before we ask. Our students to fill our cups for us and and i think a lot if you want to talk teachers for a second um i was a teacher for 10 years uh been in assistant principal role for the last seven and one of the things i learned through my own education as a teacher learning from my kids is um you know a lot of us who end up in teaching we go to school we end up in teaching because school is a safe place for us and it was where we excelled uh, for a lot of us, school is kind of like this safe place where we are either academically inclined or, you know, we connect with the adults there. So, so it's natural that we want to keep, we kind of want to stay in school. It's, it was a great place for us. And when we, I see with a lot of folks, um, we get into teaching and we want the kids to have the same experience that we had. We want to be that adult that lights them up. And part of it is subconsciously wanting to meet our own needs for significance you know and um so when there's a kid that doesn't um act in the way that we want it makes us question our own value and we kind of almost need to kind of like 
stomp that out, you know? Mm. Um, whereas if we, if we do our own work, our inner work, and we're good and we're embodied and we're integrated, then we fill our own cup. Then we can see that kid who's sleeping or that kid who's acting out and we can recognize them for who they are, which is a little kid who needs love and needs caring from an adult. And, and, and that's where, you know, I go right off the rails because then, you know, the math, the English, um, the writing, it, it is important. And it's also not necessarily as important as building connection and teaching kids how to see themselves and where they're going and how to get their own emotional needs met. Um, some kids, a lot of kids have great, healthy relationships at home and a lot don't. And, and the real work, I think, of education could be supporting those students who need to learn how to be adults that can thrive and not continue to have these abandonment wounds and these attachment wounds and these traumas that they can that they don't heal because they don't even know it's a thing that's interesting uh i like i think that maybe that's why i was i don't want to make this about me but i do want to talk a little bit about this why i was a um you know round peg in a square hole of of the school system, I did not have a good experience in elementary or middle school. It was actually horrifying for me. And when mm -hmm. I go back into my history and really look at some of the things that, that created patterns in my life that were destructive, self-destructive, mm -hmm. it came from the, the way I developed those stories in my head and experiences I had with teachers who just weren't good. And mm -hmm. perhaps that's why when I was an educator, I was able to connect so well with the kids that didn't fit the mold. I, I actually, I feel like I was able to connect with all types of kids and that's where my success laid. Um, but the, I'm curious, were you really successful in school and it was a safe place for you? School is really interesting for me. Um, you know, and, and real quick, I, I'm wondering, like, did you have, did you have like even one teacher that really like got you or supported you? Cause that's, or were you really never feel like you had that connection? I, I had, um, the first time someone believed in me was my eighth grade year in middle school. And it was a group of teachers. It was a team teacher um, classroom and uh, they really just saw potential. And then they, mm -hmm. they lifted me up. Uh, and, and then high school was just a wash. <laughs> yeah. So I had, I basically high school is brutal. Had, yeah, yeah. Basically I just had this one experience um, and perhaps it did have a very profound effect on, I mean, I, I look back on it and I'm like, yeah, I felt that was the place I felt success. So, and that's, and that's the other side of the coin. I always said there were kind of like two groups of teachers, either ones who really excelled in school or, or some whose school was not great, but there was at least one person that really got them and supported them. And they wanted to be that for other people. It sounds like maybe you fell into that, but Probably. going back to going back to me for school, like, so yeah, school was absolutely totally my you know my jam um and i and i can remember from a very early age when my parents would talk about me to friends and the family they would always talk about how smart jared was you know and how good he was in school and so for me that became at least you know right up through eighth grade um you know i i was right at the top of the pile in terms of grades and like i was always um doing my best to do as good at school as i could it was both to get praise and also to avoid uh, criticism, uh, because even by then I had already developed the, the people pleaser techniques and the and the good boy energy and the you know wanting to make people happy and also avoid the um, inner critic that I had already learned how to uh, tap into to do virtually everything. And and honestly, it wasn't even until it was pretty much this year. I'm I'm 43, and I really in the last year kind of understood how school academics had always been this area where I was filling my cup and I was feeling significant and um, pushing myself because that was how I was a good person. Mm. Um, and as I began to unlock the idea, finally, that I'm a good person either way, um, my desire to be in graduate class after graduate class after graduate class just completely fell away um, because I recognized it was me trying to convince myself that I was important or good at something. And, and as I've really, uh, and I was like, for me, the work is constantly ongoing. It's I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not complete. Um, 
you know, but as I open up to this idea that, you know what, you have value as a human being and you are a good person, whether you're taking classes or not, it's, it's like, wow, I really don't need to be doing that. Um, I wasn't doing it for the reasons I thought I was. And now that I'm starting to understand this about myself, I can go in a different direction and, and use that time for other creative pursuits that are more in alignment with who I am now. Um, instead of reliving that old story of who I was and always have, have been up until this point. Hey guys, this is Scott. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast, but I did want to interrupt for just a second because I am super passionate about a new tool that I've found and been using for the last month or so. And if you're like me, the thought of writing copy puts me into cold sweats, but we all know that writing blogs, social media posts, web copy ads, and more are part of life and can make a considerable impact on moving the needle to success in your business or job. We all know how difficult it can be to wrangle ideas, action words, and details, not to mention time constraints. Fear not. I have found a solution that allow, will allow you to easily crank out stunning copy in minutes. It's Jarvis, guys. It's probably hit your social media feed and you think it's too good to be true, but it is not. Jarvis is the latest artificial intelligence technology that will help you create content at lightning speed with little effort on your part or hefty fees for writers. You fill in two easy steps and it'll lay out descriptive paragraphs, both short and long form articles, bullet lists, social media posts, blog posts, ad copy, SEO copy, Google ad copy. It gets super detailed. There are tons of templates to choose from. It's totally up to you. It's two steps and it blows me away every time I use it. In fact, it just keeps getting better and better. So if you're like me, the thought and thought it was too good to be true, trust me, this product kicks ass. I literally use it every single day for per personal and professional use. Just go try it for free and use my link. Uh, and it's in the show notes. I'm not going to read it to you because it's crazy, but go into the show notes, click on the link, sign up for your free trial. You will never look back. And this is a great way to support this podcast. Super simple for you, for your business. Send it to your boss. Send it to your friends. It will revolutionize workflow. The link is in the podcast notes. And if you want to support the Brotherhood of Fatherhood, this is a great way. So many men, and I'm hearing it in you, and I went through this, and most of the guests I've had have been through this, uh, live a good portion of their um, beginning of their professional life. And even sometimes, actually a lot of times younger with a misplaced identity, we place our identity with performance. We place our identity with what we do. We place our identity with like um, status, like where we're getting. And it's so anti-productive to growth. And what I found over and over again is that as soon as that identity is really kind of switched to not how we perform or not what what it is we do, but really in who we are and um, that things really just start to take a completely different tra trajectory. I'm curious, uh, when was that moment for you? And was it while you were in your marriage, after your marriage, during uh, the divorce, which I'm sure was uh, just a cakewalk? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was definitely after, um, it was definitely after my divorce. I think that the, the, my divorce was difficult and it was, um, in itself an initiation that I realized at some level I had to go through in my life. Um, before my divorce, I was, I, I think about different levels of consciousness and up and through my divorce, I was a complete and total victim in my life. I, I lived in total victim consciousness, right? Everything was always happening to me. Um, I was not embodied as a man at all. I did not lead my marriage. I did not lead my life. I lived kind of in this, you know, good boy prison I'd built for myself of like, I need to make my parents happy. Um, I talk about this in some of my, my videos I posted. Like I spent most of my life right up through my 30s trying to make my parents happy. And when I was married, um, I transferred that need to please to my wife. And it wasn't fair to me. It wasn't fair to her, certainly. Um, and I see that now, but I, I had to go through my divorce and I had to even go through um, a post-divorce relationship or two to like recognize that these patterns are still happening. These things are still happening. And 
this crazy idea of like, you know, I'm going to keep having these experiences. And so it's not about the people. It's not, here's a crazy idea. Maybe it's not about the, the people that I keep choosing to bring into my life, doing things to me. Maybe it's something about me that I need to fix. <laughs> um, I was probably about 38 years old when that started to sink in finally, mm. 38, 39. And, uh, and then I went through this really fun phase of being in that manifestor energy, right? Like I'm going to control everything and I'm going to fix everything. And, and, you know, for me that showed up through fitness, I used to be very out of shape, very overweight. Um, and I spent about three years of getting in really good shape. And, but that was like the push energy, the striving, and I was able to make that happen. Uh, but even that isn't the solution in the end, because uh, you've gone from a place of just being completely um, going from being in a place of, I have no idea what's going to happen. I don't have control over anything to, I'm going to control everything and it's going to turn out the way I want, except you don't have control over everything. Right. Um, so, but I would say for me that that really started to happen a couple of years after my divorce, when I started to see some of the benefits of being able to take control, set goals, actually talk about and think about what, you know, about the time you're setting goals, you're starting to ask yourself, well, what do I, what's my goal, right? What do I actually want to do? Where do I actually want to be? Um, you have to start having some uh, success with taking steps towards something before you even dare open up your heart to the idea that I might actually be able to do the things I want to do. Yeah. Um, and when you start to think like that, um, then you start to say, well, what's possible? And when you start thinking about what's possible, then you start to um, really broaden your horizons. And I think like education for me, working in public school, there's a, there's a beautiful, you know, there's a safety net there. Um, there's also a pretty hard ceiling. You and I talked about that. And um, so as you start to see your potential as a human being, you want to move the ceiling out of the way because you start to focus more start to focus less on, well, at least I've got this really nice safety net here. Um, and you start to believe in yourself more and you're less worried about falling down and you start to become more worried about um, the limits on what is possible. And then you start to really expand your horizons and you start to look at the, the box you kind of put yourself in and you start to say, hmm, how do I start to move out of this box and into something much bigger? Because there's really no, there's, there's really no danger. Um, you know, in, in being who I am. In fact, the start, the pain starts to shift, you know, and, and like people like Tony Robbins talk about this, that when you start to make changes in your life is when you recognize there's more pain associated with staying where you are than there is with going for what you want. Yeah. That's such a typical, and, and thank you for that. I, I, there were so many nuggets in there. So like, it's just, if yeah. you're listening, go like rewind, like a two or three minutes and just listen to that and break that down because there was so many pieces that are so, what I've seen is really pivotal in men specific. I'm going to speak to men because that's who I talk to a lot in what was pivotal in their next step in life where they really kind of started to stop living in a numb existence or in just this place where this is the expected, it's safe. And um, really it's just garbage, <laughs> but mm. I, I don't want to restate it all. It's, it's, it's at last two, three minutes where there's so many nuggets in there. And um, I would challenge listeners, like if you're feeling like you're stuck or you haven't hit this place where a lot of the guests are talking about this, uh, this growth that they've gone through in these places of self-actualization and really understanding who they are and, and breaking free. It's like, what is the formula? Well, Go back and listen because all of those things are part of the formula. So, man, I mean that there is a lot there. Uh, when you there's more too. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's I think that's a big part of the work, right? Is helping. Yeah, and and something I'm super passionate about is identifying things where typical people get hung up. Like, mm. what are where are you hung up personally? Where are you hung up professionally? Where are you hung up with? Uh, you know, we talk about the ceiling in education. Well, most people have put some sort of ceiling, oh. glass ceiling on them emotionally. They've put a glass ceiling yes. on them yes. physically. They put a glass ceiling on themselves. Uh, obviously for their, they, they like to think there's no glass ceiling, but really uh, that almost everybody has a ceiling in their, in their work if they're employed. And that's a, that's a, 
that's a hard reality. <laughs> it's a really hard reality. It is hard reality. And, you know, so part of the challenge is um, you talked about like that, that place of going, to, you know, letting go of all the stuff that's kind of garbage and, and, and allowing yourself to kind of be authentically who you are. And you know, so that's like stepping into that, that wild man energy where you, you, you know what you want and you're choose, you have to choose to, um, you know, choose what you want over what is safe and what society wants. And, and even in, in a lot of cases, what your partner wants, what your, what your wife wants, you know, or what your husband wants, but like, um, you know, the idea of needing to be authentically who you are first, um, and be able to say, uh, and, and trust me, it is not a simple thing. I'm still working on it all the time in so many different areas, being able to say, this is who I am. And I know there will be wounds and I know there will be consequences. And I will, I know I'm going to pay a price for saying who I am. That price can be paid in terms of rejection by people that you care about. Um, that's a big one for me because, um, you know, when we talk about different archetypes, I'm very much in like, in, a, in my lover archetype, but at my core, that's kind of who I am as a lover. And like, what that means is I care about people. And so when you care about people and you derive a lot of value from how people respond to you, especially if you're empathic, like I am, you know, one of the most terrifying things is the idea that people would not continue to care for you you know, because you put so much value on relationships. Um, so there's a possibility that people are going to reject you outright. People are going to call you out. People are going to shame you. People are going to guilt you. People are going to be angry. You're going to stir up. You, when you change something um, in terms of your work or in terms of your family, you end up changing things for other people too, right? Like if you're at a job and you decide, I don't want to be in this job anymore, you leave, you create a problem for your boss, you create a problem for your coworkers. So anytime you change anything, you're, you're, you're forcing other people to confront their own stuff. Right. And so the first thing they're going to do is they're going to most likely, well, I shouldn't say first thing they're going to do, there's a really good chance that unless they've really done a lot of their own work too, they're going to turn right around and they're going to blame you. They're going to be in their victim and they're going to say, you're messing this up. Look at what you're doing in this company. Look at what you've done to this situation, which doesn't feel good. Um, and that's the threshold, right? That's the price you have to pay to be authentically who you are. And so it's focusing on, okay, maybe there's this gateway in front of me. Maybe this is a wall I have to go over. Maybe this barrier, this person I have to clear, but look at what's on the other side. And it's like this beautiful opportunity to be truly free and just like let go of all the stuff that you know no longer serves you and is really holding you back. So, uh, yeah. but that, 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 that could take years if, if you're trying to navigate that on your own. And, and that's part of the problem for men too. Part of the challenge for men is we do so much on our own. It's obviously something you know, which is why you do what you do. Um, and, and the value of pack hunting stuff and working together as a team and supporting each other emotionally so that you don't have to do it alone. And like, you know, when you build a team of guys, um, who are there for you and they're cheering you on, then it's like, I don't have to focus on that one boss or that, that one person in my life that I've got to clear because behind them, I got 10 guys on the other side of the finish line calling me forward saying, just get over here and we got you. And there's so much value in that. And that's part of what I want to try and tap into with, with my work too, is like helping people understand that once you build your sport team, you can tackle pretty much anything. So, so true. I, I, I went through the first transformation like that when I was an educator and I owned a bike shop and I decided to close the bike shop to gain time with my family. But what I didn't mm -hmm. realize was going to happen was that all of my customers and customers and employees that shook their world. Because it was right. just out of the blue, hey, I'm closing the doors. I'm done. This is this is not the life I want to live. It's taking too much of my time. Well, that completely shook them to the core, which put me in a place where that was where my value was. And I was crushed. And I, it was like two years of depression from that alone because I tried mm -hmm. it alone. The next time I did that is when I left education. I decided to leave education. I had a I had another opportunity that was earning me more money. Um, with less hours. So I was able to, to attend to my kids a little more. And as soon as that happened, same thing, literally teachers came up to me, called me stupid, told me it was all going to fall apart. Um, and here I am making double, triple the income they're making going, I, I, I don't, I didn't understand, but I had a little more, I had a little more of a, of a base of people to help me. It was still really mm -hmm. difficult. Then I created the brotherhood and I brought some people into my life. I brought, I created the brotherhood with my, um, my 
my great friend, Josh, and Josh was part of my life. And as another business started to arise from my efforts, it was time to leave my career at that point. And that was a year ago. And it was almost easy because I, I came to it with a different approach. And I also was able to approach my employers like, look, I'm at a, I am at, I'm topped out what I can do for you. It is time for your business to grow and new people will bring new ideas and build on what I built. And so I came into it with this, this positive energy. And then I had a group of guys behind me saying, yes, this is the right thing for you to do way to go. You're following your heart. You're following the plan that's working. And it was, it was beautiful. And so that like, I've gone through three different versions of it. The first two sucked. And this last one was, it was awesome for me. And it was awesome for the business because they grew because I was able to say like, Hey, I am so confident in what I did that I know right now is the time for me to ex- exit because you, and I'll help you set up for success with who comes in next so they can build on top of what I've done. And then, I, then I've done that in my own business where I stepped away from operations and, and handed it over to a new person. And then she came in and built a whole new stack of things on top of that. And, and I think um, it all has everything to do with the support. With one, I understand who, who I am. I have a, an absolute purpose, mission, vision, and my identity is correct. And two, I have this tribe and I have these people. And that's not, it's not just anybody behind you giving you, you know, a pat on the back. It's people who are willing to hold you to the fire as well. Hey, you're better than this, or you're not, what's going on? I, this is not like you, or, Hey, look, I see some places where you need to improve. And that's where building that, that foundation of really positive people who help you through change is so incredibly important. One of the reasons I scream from the mountaintops that people should have coaches and mentors. Mm. Yep. And I, and I think it's funny because you said you went through those three different versions of it. And I, and I think I hear that from a lot of people too. And, and you have to almost have that first and second experience, not go well to get to the third. It's not evident that you can like get that right the first time, you know, it's like you have to almost have the experience of doing it on your own, recognizing, you know, how difficult that was. And then as you open up your heart to wanting to have better experiences going forward, you call in those other people that are going to be supportive of you and, and having your tribe, you're right. It's not just about a pat on the back because anybody can give you a pat on the back. It's um, the value comes from the value comes from knowing people and connecting with people that, you know, in your heart are going to have your back. Even if, you fall down the first time or the second time, you know, the, the support isn't conditional upon your success. The support is there because they see you and they, they, they know you and they care about you and they love you. Um, no matter what, that's the kind of stuff that lets people like just completely excel, you know? Absolutely. And, and I do believe it's one of the reasons I do what I do um, is to try and take away. Uh, I think everyone's going to have their first experience. Usually, usually got to hit by be, get hit by a Mack truck before you realize that you're stepping into a dangerous street. But <laughs> it's just ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. but I, I guess it's just how people operate. But really what, what my whole goal is, is to share enough stories, experience and opportunities that people can walk through that a little easier. Maybe avoid the second time. Maybe go like, holy crap, this isn't right. How am I going to get it right the next time? And and learn and do and have the people in your corner so that it's it's not as painful and it's a lot quicker. And then you can grow faster. And that's really something I'm really passionate about. I love that you said that because like that's exactly why I'm doing what I'm doing in this relationship coaching space. I mean like you talk about the term relationship coach and and I know like some of it sounds kind of cheesy and like People want to identify that with like a dating coach or whatever, make it super superficial. And, and there are people who do really good work in that space. And the ones that are really good at that are doing it for a deeper reason. And so when I talk about what I'm doing, of why I'm passionate about this, going back to the beginning of our conversation, I went through this transformative thing in my life, which was a, a traumatic divorce um, that completely rearranged my life. And all the good things that have come out of it, notwithstanding, like it was the most difficult thing I've ever done. And it brought a lot of pain and what I can, you know, and, and I've made a lot of growth from it, but I've done it piece by piece on my own 
over four or five coming up on six years. And I finally have started to build my tribe, which has been really beautiful. But you know, there are a lot of people who do the work of, I'm going to support you after your divorce. My thought is like, why don't we get in front of this, right? I, I, I can tell you all the mistakes that you're probably making or the mistakes that have happened because I made them all. Um, and why not use this as an opportunity to kind of like, you know, stand on the shoulders of giants, right? And like, <laughs> not that you ever want to be a giant in the post-divorce relationship space, <laughs> but like, um, you know, like take what, t- so I didn't have to go through that pain um, in the sense that it could have been avoided if I knew things that I know now, but since it wasn't, and since I've learned things, let, let's, let's talk about it so you can see what's coming and get in front of it before you have to le- learn all of the lessons, right? Let's shorten that, that time span where you recognize what's going on before it costs you something really powerful, really valuable, like your family, like your, your relationship, like all the things that divorce can cost. So I totally get what you're saying and I appreciate that about what you're doing as well. This episode is brought to you by the men of Alpha Hippie. Alpha Hippie is the premier men's coaching company helping the men of Brotherhood of Fatherhood step up and be the change they want for themselves and their families. Alpha Hippie is for any man who feels like he's struggling to take action in his life or like he's burned a few too many bridges on his rise to the top. If you're the type of guy who spends all his time reading self-help books, trying to meditate, or consuming endless self-improvement YouTube videos, but nothing is quite landing like you think it should, then Alpha Hippie is for you. If you feel stressed, depressed, stuck, lost, or like you're not living up to your full potential, then Alpha Hippie is the answer for you. In the Alpha Hippie program, you will destroy your limiting beliefs, regain control of your life, and start to live with inspiration and motivation. Alpha Hippie is not one of those sign up and forget about it programs. We all know about those. It's not just watching a bunch of videos from a 20-year-old life coach. It's a program built by men for men who are ready to make a change and delivered by men who've gone through this themselves. That is very important. We have lived in the trenches and understand what it takes to rise up and craft a life worth living. If you're ready to stop making excuses and invest for yourself, then head over to brotherhoodfatherhood.com slash alpha. Again, that's www.brotherhoodfatherhood.com slash alpha. So I believe that most relationships can be salvaged. I I really do. I know that there is a point where there's, I mean, let's, sometimes there's drugs, sometimes there's abuse, sometimes there is, um, uh, you know, cheating, that just, it's repetitive. Uh, yeah. Sometimes it's just the equation's not right. And, and safety's number one, obviously. And Hey, look, I'm, I've no men who have been abused by their wives emotionally to the most extreme cases. And, and like, that's not okay. <laughs> I mean, like there's points where like, okay, what are my options here? But outside of some of those extremes, do you feel if caught early enough, every relation, almost every relationship is salvageable? Yeah, I think, I think uh, beyond those extremes that you mentioned, I agree. Absolutely. I mean, you know, people fall in love over a period of time and it takes people a period of time to fall out of love. Now it, it's true that like it, a lot of times, and I'm definitely generalizing, but a lot of times about the time, whichever partner is, you know, uh, mentioning divorce, and let's let's take you know my case for example. My wife was the one that um, told me she didn't want to be married anymore. Like about the time she's sharing that with me, she's already gone through an emotional process where she's wow. kind of reached a decision. Um, but it's also not evident that that decision isn't reversible. You know, um, there's a, a it, I will speak to myself. I was pretty clueless about the state of things uh, because I was not. Um, embodied emotionally, and I wasn't hearing her. Um, you hear, I don't want to be married to you anymore, loud and clear. Um, does not mean that there isn't still love there, and it does not mean that under the right circumstances with the right kind of conditions and the right kind of effort made by both people that it couldn't be salvageable. I think a lot of cases they are. That those See, a lot of guys, especially if you are wounded, and, and, and I say wounded in that, you know, 
a lot of us have trauma and a lot of us have abandonment and attachment stuff going back. And, and, and trauma is a broad term. It doesn't mean that we were necessarily, you know, neglected or abused. It just means that we had experiences in earlier parts of our life that leave us fearful of losing the things that we care about. Uh, we're fearful of being alone, maybe fearful of not having people show up for us. So basically we were talking about the idea that, um, you know, about someone, about the time someone has made the decision to walk away, um, you know, that's really how they're feeling, but it's not evident that you can't turn things around and, and they need to say what they need to say loud and clear for you to hear them. And okay, this is where I was going. So for guys, um, if you haven't done your inner work and you're not solid in who you are and you've attached, you know, part of your ability to, so if you, I'll, I'll speak for myself. I embodied the label father and husband. Those were the two most important aspects of who I was. Uh, Jared, being Jared was not more important to me than being a husband, right? And so when you attach so much value to that, that, that label, because you don't have the self-love you need to just be good with who you are, when someone says, I want to be married to you anymore, that is a huge threat. That is a threat because now the thing that identifies you, the thing, the thing that gives you meaning and value is about to be gone. And so you go immediately into this complete and total, you know, fight or flight response. Mm -hmm. um, and, and especially if you are prone to um, catastrophizing, all or nothing thinking, the kind of things that we deal with when we have anxiety or we have some uh, of our own post-trauma challenges, you can't think of anything else. It's over. It's done. Like it's 100% done. And you go into this kind of um, breakdown mode. A lot, a lot of us do where you, you get angry, you get scared, you, you lash out. And what you end up doing, unfortunately, is um, doing the exact kind of things that are going to you know, push your, your spouse even farther away. When, when you know, it, one of my presuppositions is that if someone reaches out to you and says, I don't want to be married to you anymore. It isn't necessarily a done deal. It's them telling you, this is the issue. This is how I'm feeling. I don't want to be married to you anymore. And so if we're embodied and if we want to be leaders in our relationship, let's wind back and let's say your wife comes to you with a different problem, right? Which is like, I'm feeling lonely or I'm frustrated by something that happened at work today. Um, we hear this all the time. It's, it's almost become cliche, right? Women don't necessarily need you to fix the problem. They yep. need you to hear them and hold space for them and, and, and show up for them in the way that you as their husband or partner know they want you to show up for it. And it's an invitation to remind them, I know you, I see you, I get you, I'm your person, I'm here, and I'm going to do the things that I know you need. And that's evidence of how well I know you and how safe you are in this connection. Um, and so uh, even though it has so much more weight behind it, saying, I don't want to be married to you anymore can be kind of the same thing. And it's an opportunity to say, okay, so let me hold space for you. Let me hear you. Let me connect with you. And let's figure this out instead of how do we fix this? Or this is all, you know, it's not a death sentence to hear those words. Um, that's really hard to, to navigate, especially if you don't have a tribe and especially if you haven't healed some of your own stuff. So part of what I think we're invited to do when we do support people who are trying to rebuild their, their relationships is to help people recognize, okay, breathe, <laughs> right? you know, like there is a, there is a way to go forward and there is a way to salvage this. And it starts with you getting grounded and stable emotionally immediately. Like when I work with people, that's the first thing we talk about is how can you get grounded and how can you get stable? Um, you know, do you know, do you know, Jordan Peterson? Yeah. So he talks about this in uh, some of his work, which he does um, a lot of graduate level psychology work, or at least he, he did when he was a professor. And he talks about the idea of this. We have this mental map, right? So as human beings, uh, you go back to like kind of like early humans, we had literal, we would build little, literal geographic maps of our territory, right? And so as you're going through your day, part of the process your brain is doing is 
you're you're looking at the world you're looking at your mental map right you're looking at the world you're looking at your map you're looking at the world you're looking at your map and as long as the map and the world look the same it's all good but when the when the world changes and it doesn't match the map that's when you've got to worry because some something's different it could be danger you know um and so as modern humans we probably don't have i mean we do have a geographic map but really our map is much more sophisticated and it's a it's a it's a cognitive map of our relationships of our work like who we are like how we relate to other people and we have this understanding of you know all of these aspects of who we are built into this kind of cognitive map and when you experience a trauma like uh the death of someone in your family or a loss of a job or a, a wife who says i don't want to be married to you anymore the map changes uh excuse well excuse me the world the map doesn't change the world changes and the world no longer matches the map and you go instantly into this trauma response and so unless you have the tools and the techniques to recognize that um that you're activated that you're triggered and and uh and and trust me that the 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 fear i experienced and the pain i experienced and the just complete and total loss of any notion of what to do that i experienced um in the in the days and weeks after that was profound it's like unlike anything i've ever experienced and 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 i was like this like i was like this mental and verbal fire hose like anyone and everyone i could latch on to it was like literally the the mental experience of like trying to um save yourself from drowning you know and it's like i'm just going to literally grab onto anything i could possibly find and no one uh no one in my life really knew how to handle that um and fair enough um but if i'd had someone who could kind of walk me through it i might have um done a little better um so that was a lot of information but yes uh i think most marriages are salvageable um even at that point when someone says they don't want to be married anymore um but it's taking the right action and it's it's getting in the right headspace and recognizing that um yeah it is salvageable i'm going to stop yeah. there well i i my wife and i um do some work with married couples and we've had a few even like last year um for well i'll say this the current climate, current situation, the lockdown, that kind of stuff that occurred mm. was what we heard from many people was either the best thing that ever happened to them because they had to stop and slow down and really reconnect, or it was the worst thing that could happen to, for them because they didn't know how to connect and they were living parallel lives and now they're forced together all this time. But we had several that um, came into this saying, like, look, we're getting divorced. We're just checking the boxes right now. We're going through this so that we can say we did or because my wife wants me to, or because my husband wants me to. And at the end, they were, they were, they were reconciled. They're ready to move forward. And their, their journey was not over, but I've seen it go from both of them saying, no, it's not working. There's no way around it. We're just going through the motions to, to make it look good um, to like a very thriving marriage. It needs, still needs a lot of work. So I, I've seen it. And so I love asking mm. that question because it really, I think there has a lot to do with how fast can you get help to work on yourself? Because a lot of guys just don't understand if you want to fix your marriage, fix yourself. Like that is just, yep. <laughs> that's the equation. It's well, not that hard. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's the equation for everything, but like you, yeah, you have to start with yourself uh, because you have to be good no matter what. Right. It like all my, I think most marriages are salvageable and it, in the end, you don't have total control over your wife's choices. So you have to first start by doing, you know, put yourself in a position, take the steps and the actions you can so that you leave yourself with the broadest spectrum of possibilities, right? Like mm -hmm. I, I, I'm going to be good. I'm going to be nimble. I'm going to be able to pivot. I'm going to be able to do what I need to do, but you start by, by grounding yourself. And the reason you do that also is because the next thing you do is you have to then be more available to understand your wife's needs and hear what she needs. And you need to, if you want to save your marriage, be able to show her, especially if she's the one that is wanting to move on and let, let, let it go. You have to build a trust again and need to show her like, Hey, I, now I better understand what your needs are and I'm going to do my part to uh, support you in having your needs met without needing anything in return, you know? Um, because that's a big, big piece of it. And so when you get your own needs met and then you can support your partner getting her needs met, then 
there's a, hmm, okay, there's some trust here. Okay, maybe something has changed. And then you are in a position to have the conversation of where do we want to go from here? What do we want this marriage to look like? And, and really, the whole process of hearing the words, I want to get a divorce, can either be, like you said, the worst thing that could possibly happen where everything goes to hell and it just blows up in your face, or it can become this beautiful invitation to say something here isn't working. Let's, and gosh, how many of us go into marriages, like not understanding, you know, any of the things that would help us have a really successful marriage. Like we, we get married for lots of different reasons. And at some point, uh, you know, there's that phenomenon of people who, you know, um, well, now I'm on, whole bunch of trains, different trains of thought. So some people really struggle and they have second and third and fourth marriages that just get more and more terrible. But there are some people who really nail it maybe the second time. And it's because they better understand like who they are. They had to go through this initiation of having a marriage and question themselves, really get clear on who they are. And then they find someone who's done the same thing and they build something intentional together. Well, if you had the conversation of, I don't want to be married anymore, and you're blessed enough to figure out how to kind of turn it around, you can invite yourselves to have that second marriage within your own first marriage. And right. you can become intentional about say, okay, so what we did for the last five years or 10 years or three years, it wasn't working. Let's, let's, let's have a do-over, right? Let, let's back up and let's get really clear. We married for lots of different reasons. Let's be really clear on why we're going to stay married. And let's do it in a way that meets both of our needs and helps us create something greater, you know, than the sum of the parts. So, yeah. And you, you, you brought it up earlier, but it's, it's interesting how many people you meet and that have had multiple marriages. And it's so funny because it's almost the same story every time. And, and what's the only common denominator at that point? It's you <laughs> person. Like, and yeah. I, here's something I want to say, like, even if you, think your marriage isn't salvageable, there is zero to lose in putting it all out there. Because even if it isn't savable and you go through that work, you're not yeah. doomed to repeat it the second time because you've done the work and you're going into it a different person. Going into the same person again, guess what? There's a really big likelihood you're going to end up in the same boat. So yeah. And then you, you just kind of open the door for some of my own, you know, so I could get spiritual for a second and talk about the idea that we're all invited to do work towards becoming uh, more and more refined versions of who we are. Right. And, mm -hmm. and um, the, you know, I'm just going to say how I feel, which is like, I've come to understand that the universe kind of gives us opportunities to um, become better people and, and grow and, and find that, that growing edge and that leading edge. And, and one of the ways that happens is through a relationship. And so, yeah, if you keep, meeting the same person in different bodies um there's a lesson there that you're supposed to learn and when you recognize the only way to get to the next lesson uh, and start to have the outcome i want is to be authentic and really connect with where i'm meant to go and so right why not put it all out there because even if it doesn't work out you're growing now you you're you're trying to create the change that that you need to experience and um there's a lot of power in, in that. And that goes back to the authenticity. That goes back to being vulnerable. That goes back to being, being the wild man, like to be authentic and vulnerable. Um, there, you know, I talk a lot about vulnerability is actually one of the first things that I really dove into. Um, there's a lot of, I saw a great post on Instagram one day, something about, you know, women want men to be vulnerable and, uh, someone in the, you know, someone in the comments posted something like, ew, gross, give me a real man, you know, like, and the idea was that, you, you know, being vulnerable is not uh, being a real man, there's weakness and vulnerability, there's so much strength and vulnerability, I'm going to show up um, and be exactly who I am, and speak to you from my heart. Um, that's where a lot of the, I think that's where a lot of divorce comes from. That's where a lot of, you know, ends of relationships come from is our inability to be vulnerable and our inability mm -hmm. to let the, let the walls down and let someone know us truly, because until you are willing to be vulnerable, you're not willing, you, you are not signaling I'm, I'm safe, right? Like, cause if I come, if I show up to you and I've got my battle armor on, you know, and you don't, um, you know, emotionally speaking, I, I can do damage and you can't hurt me. Um, so part of 
and I'm speaking as a man, um, you know, part of what I feel like is part of my work as a man in my own relationship, especially with, with, a, with, a, with a romantic partner, is to take that armor off and show up vulnerably and say, look, I'm strong enough that I'll show up. I'll take my armor off. You could stab me in the back. You could lay waste to me. That will always be true. Um, but I'm strong enough to handle that. And I will show up that way so you can do the same. And when both people can take the armor off and she can see that I'm safe because he's, he's putting himself in that position of both strength and vulnerability. So we can connect at the heart. Um, you get past all the crap and you can just show up for each other and, and be honest and truthful. And it's scary. Um, it's, it's scary even now, um, uh, even with what I do, it's scary. Uh, but that's the invitation to, um, put yourself in that. The great things that you want can't come from playing safe and playing small. Um, yeah. and that goes back to career. That goes back to everything, back to our conversation before about floors and ceilings. You know, it's, it's like, you've got to put yourself out there even in partnership and, and if, and if more men were able to do that, there would be less people wanting to walk away because they don't feel safe and they don't feel a connection. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. And uh, it's it's real interesting that there's this perception that vulner, vulnerability equals uh, weakness, which I don't think you can be strong to your, your full ability until you've experienced and practiced and been vulnerable. And that includes inside of your, your inner circle or your tribe where it's like, Hey man, I'm struggling with this. That allows other men. And, and this is outside of um, the relationship with marriage, but that allows other men to help arm you like, you know, mm -hmm. and, and you have to, yeah. you have to remove that, before you can get help to build it up. So, so it, it's, it goes with both men and women, but I'm telling you that is an amazing way to connect with uh, a romantic partner is that getting vulnerable, but also showing strength. So I think there's a fine line there and, and you mm -hmm. hit the nail on the head, Jared, there's so much uh, that men have to learn from you so much we've uncovered. I'm just going to say, I absolutely love your emotional, um, investment in this and your ability to, mm. to just be you and share what you share. That tells me that um, you're empathetic, you're an empathetic person and that you have that ability to really help people through this thing. And um, that's, that's really what matters. So uh, how can people find you? So people can find me at, uh, at my website, which is www.jareddumas.com. Um, I'm also on Facebook. That's really the best place to find me. Um, I have a page there, Jared Dumas Relationship Coach. You can search that on Facebook. And I have a group uh, that I run called uh, Conscious Couples, and it's helping couples stay together. And they can find that in my, uh, on my Facebook page and on my, on my personal profile. That's awesome. And we'll put all that in the show notes. Uh, anything else you want to share before we close out? No, I, I just want to share that, um, you know, there's, there's no reason why we can't keep, you know, I think what I want to share is that um, we're all invited to be more um, authentic. I think that's really what it comes down to is when you're being authentic, you can't really go wrong. Um, and, you know, there's, there's, you talked about the lockdowns and you talked about everything that's changing. There's a beautiful opportunity for all of us to redefine our relationships. Um, and part of that, part of that work is around being really clear about who you are and what you want, and then looking for ways to share that with your partner or with the other people in your life authentically and vulnerably and nothing but good can come out of it. That's right. That's right. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Hey, everybody, before I go, I'm going to make a plea to you. Um, your rating and uh, subscription to the podcast, if you subscribe, actually rate and even write a review is really how you can help. And if you've listened to this and you've listened to any other episodes and, it, and just even a piece of it uh, speaks to you, just do me a favor. Hey, if you want to leave a bad review, that's fine. I just want people to leave reviews. I want to know how we're doing. 
Um, and if you're interested in growing the brotherhood, you can invite people to the brotherhood of fatherhood, Facebook group, or you can just send them to this podcast. That's really what would help, uh, men throughout the world. I know that I have resources. I know that I'm getting in touch with people who have resources through the podcast. And I think people need to hear this. So just go do that. I know it, I know it's a lot to ask, but I'm asking you to do it. Hey, if you have a podcast, shoot me it. Scott at brotherhoodfatherhood.com. Shoot me your podcast. I'll listen to it and rate and review. I'll absolutely do the return on you. So everybody have a wonderful, uh, wonderful day. And thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to share it with your friends, your family, and follow us on social media. If you are a father, make sure you join our Facebook group, The Brotherhood of Fatherhood. Hit the subscribe button and tune in next time for more podcasts from The Brotherhood of Fatherhood.